Hello and welcome to Pod of the Damned presents Bucket List Horror, a brand new series of episodes where a different special guest will join us every single week to lobby for a horror movie of their choosing to be included on Pod of the Damned's definitive list of horror movies that you should see before you die. This is our second episode and I am very delighted to tell you all that we are joined by Erica from the House That Screams Horror podcast. Welcome Erica, how are you doing today? Doing very well, thank you. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. I, I'm like I'm delighted to be here, as I was saying to you just before. Um, I feel like having you on the show, I, fi- I feel like I've finally... It's like a video game achievement you know, when you get, <laughs> I feel like I've completed a collection today because you're the final member of the House That Screams podcast who had yet to make an appearance on this show. We've had Candy on so many times, Sean's done a couple of appearances, uh, David's been on the show, I've got Crystal coming on the show as well, you know, I've had some of your previous hosts on the show. Uh, Nico had his debut uh, last week, so uh, I, I was just I was just waiting I was just waiting for you. So I'm <laughs> delighted to to have you here. But um, but yeah, you've uh, you've been if you've you've been part of the House of Screams since the beginning, right? Close. Uh, I think I I came in near the beginning of season two. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, it was like shortly after uh, the COVID lockdown started that i got invited to join so yeah it's been a lot of fun great people there yeah yeah I'm, i mean you know I've, I've said it multiple times throughout our episodes you know we consider a house that screams to uh to, to be you know part of our podcast family you know myself and candy we've we've sort of forged this sort of podcast to podcast relationship over the past couple of years and you know from my previous project as well so you know, it's a it's a podcast that I hold dear to my heart. You know, it's a pod, and um, I've 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 made my my share of appearances over there as well. Um, usually, you know, even later in the morning, <laughs> we're currently recording, so it's toothpicks in the uh, holding my eyelids open job. But you know, I'm always <laughs> I'm always delighted. I remember, yeah, when you you've been on and you were just <laughs> looking more like progressively wiped out. I usually I usually start the episodes <laughs> off okay, and then for most of them, I managed to get through it fine because you know I work night shifts uh, in my in my mm-hmm. in my sort of my real job, and so you know recording at one two in the morning, I'm I'm usually up at that time anyway. But there's I think there has been one or two times where you know it's gone to the sort of last 10, 15 minutes of a recording. And I'm just <laughs> you can just see me just wilting yeah. away. But you know it's it's always a blast to go on there. There's always some really fun discussion. Um <laughs> I've just signed up with Candy for my next appearance. So I'm looking forward to that. Obviously I won't reveal what it is because that's that's not my place. Right. But I'm very much looking forward <laughs> to coming back on uh, so yeah, um, I'll give you a quick chance to do your plugs and then we can get into the movie topic. So anything you want to uh, shout out to our listeners or tell them about um, sort of the, the things that you work on as well. Ah, well, uh, first of all, I'd like to plug the cosmetics company that Candy and I have been. Uh, we launched I don't know, maybe uh, about a year ago. Um very gradually adding uh, different items to the the stock, but it's called Final Girl Cosmetics at finalgirlcosmetics.makeup. And uh, all of the products are um, vegan, hypoallergenic and cruelty-free. And all of them pay tribute to horror movies that we love. 
Awesome. Yeah, definitely go check that out. You know, I've 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 sort of seen that. You know, obviously, uh, sort of growing. You know, from from the ground up. I've been keeping an eye on how you guys are doing. You know, you're are absolutely smashing it out of the park with, uh, with that. And you know, so definitely people should go go support you. Go check that out. We'll obviously post the links to that in the description of this episode across our social medias as well. So yeah, please definitely go check that out. Okay, right, so today, in our uh, second episode of Bucket List of Horror, we are talking all about the 2008 movie Philosophy of a Knife. Um, as I was saying to you, obviously, before we came on air as well, um, I'm actually really delighted that you picked this. This kind of just encapsulates the whole sort of point of this series that I wanted. You know, I said, obviously, we were talking about, and I, I was discussing it with Nico last week, you know, when people think, you know, bucket list of horror movies they 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 think of the absolute classics your jaws your alien your halloweens and things like that which is absolutely correct to do as well you know they they are the classics for a reason but the whole point of this was also to you know to to shine a light on some some movies that you know maybe maybe aren't as widely you know sort of known or appreciated as them so i'm really glad that you've chosen this this movie was written and directed by andrei iskanov uh, I'll quickly go over some of the ratings. So IMDb has this currently at a 4.4 with the Rotten Tomatoes audience scoring at 49%. Um, and this will be the second movie on our bucket list behind Nico's choice last week, which was An American Werewolf in London. So uh, definitely uh, a, a, very a very interesting start to, <laughs> to the list. Um, before we get into sort of any deep discussion, just, just give us a very sort of brief reasoning behind your choice for this movie to be on our bucket list of horror? Um, well, it is definitely a movie that divides people. Like some people absolutely hate it. Some people love it, but no one really forgets it once they've seen it. <laughs> um, also, it's no noteworthy like from a number of other perspectives. Like uh, when I first saw this, uh, and this was in the early days of the Netflix DVD service when they had a lot of extreme horror films on there like they had the the japanese you know, guinea pigs uh, series on there in august underground and this movie was on there so it's like stuff they would like definitely not remotely <laughs> uh, have in their catalog anymore but i i discovered a lot of very like out there extreme horror movies at that time um but it like i knew nothing about that part of world war ii history like um unless people are living under a rock of course they know about uh like nazi medical experiments that happened in death camps and that sort of thing a lot of people don't know about japan's unit 731 mm -hmm. and this uh philosophy of a knife is sort of like half documentary half kind of horror gore film recreation of those experiments and the horrible things that were done to people in that military unit yeah, it's really interesting you bring that up because um, when I, I when I went to university, I went to university. To, I my degree is in history and politics, um, and um, specifically sort of my dissertation was around sort of the world, uh, the build up to the Second World War, and you know some of the aspects of that, and you know things like Unit Seven Thirty One and and that sort of side of things, even at a university level for for at least where where I'm from, you know, is something that we really didn't go into a huge great detail you know even you know you, you understand when you know you're doing history at sort of mm -hmm. a high school level you know you're focusing very much like you say you're doing history you're talking about world war Two. you're focusing very much on you know like you say the nazis and you know 
Germany and, and, and those sorts of things. Um, but when you get to a university level, especially as you go further on into a degree, you would really expect that some, some of these things would really start getting sort of talked about and discussed a bit more. But what I've really found is it was only really through my own sort of investigation and research, you know, um, out with the actual sort of curriculum that I sort, sort of started to find out about this sort of things. Because even at that level, they were still very much focused on sort of Central Europe and, you know, the things that were going on there between, you know, Germany and Poland and, you know, Auschwitz and, and, and all of those sorts of things. So it was really interesting to me that, um, you know, obviously we've got this here and the the atrocities that really, really went on, you know, it's it's for, for those who, who are generally unaware of what Unit 731 was, it's essentially, you know, a essentially a, a, a prison camp where they would conduct biological chemical warfare weapons research testing on on humans and you know the the, the things that went on there i mean doesn't even bear thinking about to be honest you know mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're talking about sort of you know in, injecting people with diseases you know bio biological weapons testing on people they would put people into hyperbaric pressure chambers vivisections on people, amputations, all sorts of just horrific things. And, you know, that's that's probably just sort of scratching the surface. So, and it's, it's interesting to me that you bring up this sort of point, you know, like this is a movie that divides. And I think when you're when you're talking about a movie, you know, and some of the content of this movie, like you say, it's, it, it is really extreme, you know. Right. And, and I think it's more upsetting because it is based on something that actually happened, whereas if it were just a, a completely fictitious torture film, uh, yeah, I, most people would be like, well, that's gory, but it, it's all fake. It doesn't really bother me. But it, when you, you know, look into the history of Unit 731, it's like, holy shit, they did all this terrible stuff to people and there were no survivors of this camp. Um, there's just like different court records and different like surviving um, medical records and uh, you know from from the doctors and personnel who were part of the experiments. Uh, so it's um, yeah, it's a, such a bleak chapter of history and human behavior. Yeah, and I think that's that that's definitely for me. I would say the reason why this is so so polarizing because. You know, no, well, I think any movie that has the sort of extreme levels that this movie does, especially with the subject matter, is always going to be polarizing for the reasons, obviously, you've just mentioned. But then when you take into that further account, like you say, it is just such a bleak moment in our history, you know, in our life history that, you know, it's probably a moment that a majority of people don't really want to sort of you know remember and talk about but i think it's really important that you know it is documented and and, and talked about because if, if, if for nothing else to serve as a sort of warning to people sort of going forward this is you know what people are 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 capable of you know and it's 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 really it's really quite something um you know when you're talking about it so because even just talking about this movie and the things that went on there you know is is it's something when you're thinking about it that can be emotionally draining mm -hmm. and obviously yeah, and... sorry oh sorry go ahead no 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 carry on. oh yeah I, it, it sent me down this very dark rabbit hole of research like i went to my university library and i went to like the military history section and i found a dozen books that discussed unit 731 in some fashion or other 
And that was some very oppressive research to do. <laughs> like the movie had already uh, was a, it was a very disturbing film that gave me nightmares for a decade. And I would know that it was becoming a unit 731 nightmare because my dream would switch from like color to black and white. And I never had black and white movies before. <laughs> uh, most of philosophy of a knife is in black and white, or at least the flashback scenes of, of experiments are. <laughs> yeah. It's um yeah, it's definitely something I listen. I think, you know, if, anyone who's listening to this episode it is worth mentioning you know obviously we recommend checking this movie out but we you know it is it's a difficult it's a difficult watch you know it's it's obviously got an incredibly long run time you know which is you know significantly more than any sort of just average sort of movie goer will be used to because it comes in at, i think just under four and a half hours i think we yep. mm-hmm. come in at so um so it is an inc- it, 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 it's a slog but that's not a criticism of the movie because you know i think it lends itself very much to the sort of subject matter this movie's not here necessarily for this movie this movie's not here for people's enjoyment this movie is you know <laughs> it's it's obviously it's it's not putting you through but you know you you're you you have it's an experience exactly yeah uh, andre would completely agree with you on that point he's like my movies are not supposed to be fun <laughs> he said that repeatedly <laughs> yeah well that's the thing as well because i think this is sometimes something and you know I'm, I'm maybe taking us a little off track here sometimes i think especially on certain podcasts and things like that that people can get a bit bogged down on you know Direct, directors know when their movies you know aren't widely popular but they also know that sometimes that their movies aren't supposed to be widely popular you know you know this thing i mean obviously we talked about it and i'll, I'll let you speak about it a little bit but i obviously know that you have a, a, a personal you know friendship with um andrea skinov who's, who's created this movie so you know obviously you've got like you say a bit of an insight into sort of his thought process and you know what he was thinking making this and as we were you know as we were just saying there he 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 would agree that you know it's an experience it's not necessarily meant a movie to be enjoyed so mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely so um yeah i mean i i i think that was the first movie of his that i saw and then i rented the other ones uh, also through the netflix dvd service and at that time his films were distributed through unearth films um he had a big falling out with them his claim being that he didn't get paid a penny for philosophy of a knife's uh, sales even though it was like one of their like best-selling films under that label and that's a whole other mess that i won't go into <laughs> um but i about 10 years ago i thought i thought oh he has a facebook page i wonder what he's like as a person i don't know let's find out he's on the other side of the world what what's the worst that can happen but we started uh, like talking uh, quite a bit and um he was just like constantly sending videos of his his cat that he had recently adopted and uh, at the time he was finishing his like director's cut of visions of suffering which is like 50 percent different from the original film and that's also a, the, the director's cut is also one that i would recommend especially if you know that philosophy of a knife is something you can't handle because of the historical element of it if you want something just purely fictional fantasy based visions of suffering it will give you a kind of a good feel for his filmmaking style um anyway since then i also um 
actually traveled to Russia twice to help him with his upcoming films, um, acted in a small role as a, a, a female sniper who's a soldier of fortune in the 1970s African conflict. Um, and uh, yeah, I would really love to help him with uh, ingression, but because of all of the, the sanctions on Russia and travel being very difficult, for Westerners to get there and back. I don't know if, I don't know if I'll make it back there anytime soon, which is upsetting. Um, but yeah, anyway, he's like, I got us a little off topic. Anyway, he's like actually a really, he's a cool guy. He has a great sense of humor. He can be kind of snarky and bitter. Um, but I think that part of that may just go with, along with being Russian. I don't know. I think there is a cultural element there. Yeah. Um, I remember one time we were like uh, working on like we were shooting one of the scenes for breaking Ouroboros and like something he got some kind of unpleasant news and in between um, takes he like opened the window and started screaming fuck Russia I hate you <laughs> he threw like cat shit out out of the balcony window and pointed outside he's like what do you see out there i'm like it's a tree he says no it's fucking shit <laughs> so so this was that was an adventure um but i did learn a lot about um the making of philosophy of a knife um his reason for making it was because one of his friends who was um an actor in his uh you know his first few films victor silken introduced him to an elderly man named anatoly protozov and um, at that time, like, Protozov was, like, 90 years old, but he was living near Unit 731 when it was um, operating. So um, he he's, like, the, the elderly man you see interviewed in between all of the, the torture and medical experiment scenes, kind of giving, like, the eyewitness and historical background. However, there's a ton of really fascinating stuff about Protozov that was not discussed in that film. And like Protozov says, do not tell anyone about this until after I die because I may end up dying sooner. <laughs> he was stationed there as a spy for the Soviet Union. Right. Okay. And so he like in, in Philosophy of the Night, he just talks about being a medical student that he, he was uh, living in the Harbin area and going to university there and apparently Harbin like had a rather sizable Russian and European population um so yeah it's like would not have been unusual uh, an unusual demographic for him to have been going to school there but that isn't the whole story he was a spy there and part of his career for the USSR was he was also an assassin and he was good at killing people with just found objects. Like, oh, a broken bottle in an alley, you know. So, I, wonder way, how, he would I, wonder, never... I wonder how you learned that <laughs> skill, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, and he, I guess one of his things that he was known for was he would, um, he was really good at sprinting. Like, say, he'd go to a bar, have a drink, yeah, or kind of act casual and the, the bar would be close to the intended victim's house then he'd excuse himself to the bathroom crawl out the bathroom window sprint to wherever that person lived kill them with 
just whatever found object was going to get the job done, sprint back, clean up, and then resume his place at the bar like nothing happened. <laughs> so there was there was some wild stuff with that uh, that guy that's like not discussed in the film, but interesting person. Um, meeting protozoa was like the whole reason why andre decided to make philosophy of a knife like it was not the kind of movie he would have normally wanted to make mm -hmm. he would rather make a supernatural fantasy occult uh, type horror films but he thought well this is like this guy's very elderly there's a limited like time frame for interviewing him about this stuff yeah so he um got you know, he interviewed him over the course of several weeks and then ultimately could only use very select portions of that discussion for the film but um yeah that that was his whole reason for making this film and then he went down a research rabbit hole of looking at like court documents and um you know, like whatever medical records were uh, you know available for the public to look at mm -hmm. from those experiments uh and another interesting thing andre lives in the city where the soviets tried some of the medical personnel who were captured okay it was kind of kind of their own war crimes tribunal so when i was there i got to see that courthouse unfortunately only from the outside because they were doing major construction work on the inside but i thought well that's really interesting yeah. you know piece of history well listen what's one of the things that i when i was doing a bit more research about as well is that you know the people who were obviously tried for sort of they, they, they actually didn't receive like or didn't serve massive sentences i know it's crazy because when i was reading it up like the majority of them i think or at least a few that i read up on they got like sentenced to sort of 25 years but only served it was seven years that a lot of them got and when you think of just how abhorrent some of these crimes are you know mm -hmm. and when you compare that to sort of you know um you know the, the the officers at auschwitz and the war crimes committed by the nazis and you know again sort of how high you know the high profile nature i mean it's I, I really don't want to sort of use these sort of sensationalist words about it because we're literally talking about sort of genocide and mass killings and things like that and you know it feels almost a bit grotesque to put these sorts of words to it but you know, it, it sort of does define what we're i'm trying to sort of drive at you know that that was the far more sense sort of sensationalized version of essentially what mm -hmm. was the same things that were going on you know there were they were you know like you say like you said earlier you know conducting their experiments and you know here we had units at uh, uh, unit 731 you know these experiments being conducted and and things like that so it's just it's it's so bizarre to me you know that some of these people really didn't get that the, the, the justice was never really served to these people even just after they're right. sort of captured and tried you know yeah it's it's very it's very disappointing to hear that kind of thing and and then it's also yeah almost certain that like some of those people got lighter sentences or just bought their freedom by sharing uh you know their whatever data they collected from these experiments with different governments so yeah yeah because there's obviously you know i think there was a huge amount of fallout after the fact wasn't there with the u.s occupation of japan and mm -hmm. and you know everything that was going on with that you know that it, it became so sort of politicized and and then everything just sort of got watered down after the fact where you know 
<laughs> despite the fact that some of the the worst most abhorrent things that you could possibly imagine were going on to these people and you know i think it was around was it around about three hundred thousand people i think that was that was killed in in this unit so you know it's 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 really just it's really disgusting to figure out you know just quite um how likely so many some of these people sort of got off with um what was going on for the for the sake of a bit of data so yeah exactly uh, yeah people suck i, I don't like this <laughs> yeah. <stuff. laughs> I, don't, <laughs> people suck as a I don't know how else to say it i i prefer cats you know <laughs> Yeah, I think I think a lot of us feel that feel the same way as well, you know. Um, just to sort of drag us back a little bit to sort of the more uh, so so the uh, sort of the movie, you know, um, <laughs> just a thought popped my mind. Could you imagine the sort of outrage that would happen if Netflix put this back onto their uh, to their, oh, um, to their, yep. <laughs> to, uh, their reels? It, it, was, it was kind of like hilarious when I rented it and I was looking at the different reviews because back then, before they just switched to this thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, kind of system of reviewing, um, they let people you know, Nolly posts, you know, however many stars, but then also write comments underneath as to why yeah. they gave it that rating. There was this one enraged person who gave it like a, a one, like one star rating and complained that her four-year-old rented it without her knowledge <laughs> and that she intercepted it. But like, I think the, the title alone is definitely a clue that it's not like a family-friendly movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But, but then, like, the other funny thing is, it's like, you know this was, like, you intercepted it in time, you know it's not a kid movie. Then this woman watched the whole damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then complained about it. <laughs> <She's> like... <laughs> people, <laughs> people suck. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's just, it's, it's like you say, like I was saying, you know, it's just, I can't imagine this going on to something like Netflix, but it, it's worth being said, you know, movies that sort of fill this genre, if you will, and, and things like that, you know, that, that, and, and it's the reason why we're discussing it today as well, you know, that there is a place for these movies, you know, and mm -hmm. it is important, I think, that this, these movies are seen, look, listen, they're, the, this type of movie, you know, there, there's going to be people out there who cannot handle it, you know, and, and, if people out there genuinely feel like they can't handle it, then they, they shouldn't watch it, you know? Um, you we, do, we don't want to put someone through something that we genuinely don't think they can handle. However, it is important, I think, that movies like this are made more easily available to people as well, because, you know, it's one thing for everyone to just go, oh, this, you know, it's so easy to label this movie as, you know, it's all this torture it's gore and and that's what it is and then just sort of consign it to the the history with all the the other movies that sort of get talked about in those genres but you know this it is a it's a legitimate sort of branch of horror and you know so to take it back to sort of that you know and and not only is it a legitimate branch of horror but this is this movie in particular is discussing something that's so important in our history as well and you know i i just think i just wish it was you know sort of more readily available to people yeah it it used to be on uh, amazon's uh, prime video rental service as i helped andre get all of his movies up there to make it a little easier for people in the us and the uk to rent them his other movies are still up there, but that one got taken <laughs> down 
violating different like content rules that Amazon had that it was too violent and offensive for them to leave it up there. Um, so currently, fortunately, it's no longer out of print. You can get, there's like Massacre Video has a DVD edition. I think that's distributed just in the US, but there's also Tetro Video that distributes uh, in the UK and at least part of Europe. And in the near future, there will be like a, a German edition Blu-ray coming out of it as well. Um, so at least it's, um, it's getting you know, uh, distributed again uh in you know upgraded formats and yeah it's nice to see that yeah it definitely is nice to see that you know again you know again you know this is this is what we were talking about earlier about you know doing these sort of movies that maybe don't have that sort of wide wide appeal and wide release you know this isn't a movie that was shown in thousands of theaters across across the country but that doesn't mean i think sometimes people can get a bit bogged down in sort of figures and numbers and stats when it comes to you know all this you know i mean you know people talking about for example the new insidious movie that just came out and you know how well that's doing at the box office and how well evil dead rise did at the box office and how how great all that is for horror and yes that is absolutely true however you know that that's that's your horror that's for the masses and i think you know just because that's for the masses doesn't mean that stuff like this doesn't have its really important place in the genre as a whole because you know that that's is one of the things i think as horror fans i think we can all agree on you know we we're all fans of so many different like there's so many different subgenres, and any i think any horror fan worth their salt will appreciate that every single aspect and every single subgenre has that place and has that importance you know you know some yeah of course you'll have your personal preferences and things like that but they're they're all so vital i think to the the overall survival of horror and it's one of the things again i think makes our community so great as well because there is so much options and so much choice out there you can go from that absolute sensationalized completely fictional completely you know supernatural you know stand like type of horror movie that everyone's sort of familiar with all the way down to something like this philosophy and knife like say which is so based in human history and really does take it to the extremes as well um you know it's it's it, this movie pushes will push people to their limits but it's absolutely something that if that people should check out if they like again as i say if they think they're able to yeah yeah absolutely and another reason i i think this is like a good movie for people to watch um along with andre's other films too is even if um yeah, even if the extreme content is not your thing, if you are uh, a wannabe or you know independent filmmaker, or you are a low-budget filmmaker, you can learn so much from how yeah you know, he sets up uh, his shots, his special effects. In a lot of ways, he's close to being a one-man show um, with a lot of his movies. And with Philosophy of a Knife, he. Um, designed almost all the special effects he composed most of the music he did all the editing um fun fact most of the with the exception of a couple scenes that were shot in an in abandoned or a closed down medical clinic in his city all of those other surgical scenes and uh, scenes of kind of like the holding cell for the prisoners were just shot in his apartment <laughs> he he redecorated his whole apartment just to look like an operating room and 
uh, or or look like a jail cell and even scenes like that you see this moment in the trailer where a Japanese officer is getting in an elevator and you see like the the elevator rise there was no elevator he was standing on Andre's bed <laughs> and someone was moving a, a pulled like this gate across <laughs> and then someone moved a background behind him it's like you wouldn't know that from watching it it's like you uh you know you're an indie filmmaker you have a tiny budget you don't have to raise a ton of money to make a film like all of Andre's films are uh like I don't know if any of them had a budget more than 10,000 US dollars. I think a lot of them were a lot less than that. Uh, his first film, Nails, was made for $2,000. Which is which is incredible as well, you know, because again, you know, it, you know, it goes back to what I was saying about sort of people getting bogged down in numbers, you know, to think of what he what he's created for essentially no money when, you know, when it comes to sort of making movies is it's 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 remarkable you know and mm -hmm. and you know again linking that back as well that goes sort of hand in hand with back to the runtime of this movie you know he's like you say sort of ten thousand us dollars which i think equates to about eight thousand pounds roughly i think over here in the uk you know is to, to create a four a four and a half hour long movie of the the quality of this movie for for that money you know just like you say it goes prove like it, it's it's a creative masterstroke. Yeah, and and he also, I mean, like, I think he had something like ten thousand different practical effects that he um, created for this film, or almost all of them were created by him. He had a couple other, you know, a few other people helping with some, like, some of the props and some of like the makeup effects and that kind of thing. That was mostly his work. Um, it's also, although there were a few things, I wouldn't technically call them special effects because he did shoot a scene in a real morgue, uh, you know, refrigerator for unidentified bodies. So there, <laughs> you don't want to be an unidentified body in Russia because you just get thrown naked into this huge pile. And then maybe if you are identified, then they pull you out of there and <laughs> bury you or something. It's like, it was nasty. And uh, the other thing, he sent me some behind-the-scenes photos, and I'm like, oh, wow, that, that bisected human head is so realistic. He says, it's realistic because <laughs> it's, it's human head. <laughs> he borrowed some, like, specimens from the local medical university because he used to be a student there, and he still has a few uh, contacts who let him like, borrow <laughs> some of the teaching tools. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's always good to know people you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but just to sort of just to sort of wrap things up a little bit again you know i, we, we, I was saying to you before we came on air we, we probably could sit and talk about this movie for hours on end especially when you go into the sort of content matter of it um we, we could really go on and on about this movie but if, if you could just sort of wrap up for us and give us just a brief sort of summary again of you know why you think people should go check out philosophy of a knife why you think it deserves its place on the bucket list of horror and sort of you know why sort of you you decided to, to to choose it yeah i mean um you know aside from the fact that it, it is covering a sort of overlooked part of history um that i think needs more discussion um 
I, I just, uh, you know, respect the hell out of this movie for having the emotional impact that it does for being uh, like so competently made and looking so good on with, you know, for, with very few resources and not much, uh, not much money behind it. So like, I enjoy it from that technical level. I enjoy the historical element of it too. So I, um, I also just think it's it's good to explore the work of foreign directors and, and directors who are kind of on the margins. Yeah, definitely. No, I I hundred percent agree with you. You know, this is this is not something that I had been overly familiar with um, in terms of the movie, obviously, and you know, it's something that you I, that I I've been sort of researching and looking into um, because obviously, you know, I I've been on shows previously where you've you've talked about um Andrei Eskinov and, and things like that so you know I've, I've went away and did my own research on it so it's something that um I'm real. I'm personally really glad that you've chosen to talk about today you know again just to sort of reiterate it would be so easy to pick you know just another classic movie you know and 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 just go with that and we could have another half hour discussion about you know the blood scene in The Shining, you know, because no, <laughs> no podcast has ever talked about that before, you know. It's, um, it's, uh, it's always, to me, really, really refreshing when we get to talk about something that's, that's you know, I, I, I don't think I've ever listened to another podcast that's talked about this movie. So um, I, I'm absolutely delighted that you've chosen it. Hopefully people can, can take from our sort of brief discussion on it and some people will choose to go and check it out. I'm sure there are people out there who might decide that it's too much for them and they won't. But again, you know, this this whole series isn't about movies being 10 out of 10 movies. This isn't <laughs> movies about having 100% scores on Rotten, Toma- Rotten Tomatoes and, and IMDb and all of those sorts of things. This is, this is a polarizing movie for a reason. This is a movie that challenges people. And I, that's why I think it deserves a place on the list to see before of our bucket list of horror sorry the movies you should see before you die because horror is all about challenge challenges and pushing boundaries and this movie absolutely does that it it's 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 the epitome of horror to the extreme absolutely okay well i think that is probably going to do it because i'm just looking at a time and we we're slightly over but we're just going to keep it uh, <laughs> we'll just keep it try and keep it under the 40 minutes there but uh erica thank you so so much for for joining me tonight um i really appreciate you coming on i'm so glad to finally managed to get you on the podcast yeah thank you yeah i had a great time yeah i'd be happy to come back uh at any time really <laughs> definitely no we are I'm more than happy to have you back on it at, at some point we'll can we'll do a, a a full episode with you in the future we'll get a we'll get some more discussion in with uh my my other co-host nico as well who uh usually has a few interesting thoughts it'd be interesting to actually find out what he thinks about this because i don't think he's seen this either so um i don't think he has <laughs> don't think so <laughs> anyways um if you want to do your final sort of plugs and again before uh we can get out of here oh yeah um aside from uh check out the house that screams uh once again uh visit our website finalgirlcosmetics.makeup and we also have a special makeup bundle that uh get, donates like uh, a portion of the profits actually all of the profits from those sales to um, andre's upcoming film projects and um 
and general living expenses too, just because this is not a fun time to be living in Russia. No, no, I'm not watching <laughs> it. Under that government. So, uh, yeah, he's he's had kind of a rough time. His, his mom died a couple months ago from something that was treatable and healthcare there is awful, or at least the free healthcare is awful. Um, so yeah, if you want some, uh, some cool makeup that also helps out a friend and indie filmmaker, you can check out that uh, particular bundle. It's called the Iskanov Dreamscape Collection. Yep. And uh, as I said earlier, the links to that will be in the description for this episode. We'll post that across our social medias as well. If you would like to support this show, you can go so we're on Twitter at Damned Podcast and Facebook and Instagram is at Pod of the Damned. Those are the places that we will be posting those links. And yeah, uh, like once again, yeah, just thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much to everyone who's downloaded and listened to this episode. We'll be back next week with another episode of Bucket List Horror. Uh, but until then, on Pod of the Damned, just remember, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. <laughs>